Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Welcome to the Hidden Yardage Podcast. I'm Mark Lane, joined by Sean Martin. You can follow me on Twitter at the Real Mark Lane. Follow Sean at Sean Martin NFL. Sean, how you doing? Hey, great to be back with you, Mark. I uh, was in downtown Austin to uh, to say last night we did not do it justice. Might as well say this morning that we're taping this podcast and did not run into Micah Parsons at all. So. Uh, the Parsons watch could have to be put on hold since I spent all of a holiday Friday night down there and didn't see him. Of course, he was, maybe the bigger reason for that is that he was at uh, Cowboys OTAs and has reported back to the star. But yeah, during the time he was here in Austin, I can tell you, uh, was there all night last night and did not see him. I'm glad that we have that update because if you would have seen Micah Parsons just enjoying himself and, uh, you know, being a regular human, that might generate some overreactions. And with that as a preamble, um, was there anything coming out of organized team activities this past week that may have been an overlooked storyline? Yeah, how quick will we- Quickly, we go from, you know, the NFL draft, we care about the background on these players and all the TV production that goes into telling their stories. And then as soon as they report to their team, it's like, oh, you're just a guy in a helmet now. All we care about is what you do on the football field and don't do anything else. My overreactions from OTAs or overworked things to say is Damone Clark getting snaps with the first team linebackers. It was Damone Clark and Leighton Vanderess. Now, first team, second team, third team really means nothing at this point in the offseason. It's still just... You know, coaches just wanted to see what they have. Players that haven't been in the opportunity, getting the opportunity to maybe show what they can do. So it really means nothing until, you know, at the very least training camp and you see some pads come on. But still find it interesting that Damone Clark kind of went under the radar a bit in his first season. We know that, you know, in the middle of the field, linebacker type spot in Quinn's defense is kind of ambiguous. You see Jaron Coast play down there and Donovan Wilson all get in the mix. And so the idea that, you know, a true stand-up linebackers eating up a bunch of snaps has kind of faded out, but Damone Clark still quietly played, you know, at least half of the defensive snaps in seven games his first year, so it's not like this is a player that they don't completely know what they have in him. This is a player that they've seen some from, and they want to add to that. Pairing him with Vanderlei certainly gives you two kind of similar mold players, traditional linebackers that can cover a lot of ground, be physical against the run, which we know is their big thing right now after drafting Mozzie Smith in the first round, so you know, as for what this means for guys like Jabril Cox, Demarion Overson, that's kind of still a very big question mark and a to-be-determined thing since Damone Clark appears ready to uh, potentially eat up a bunch of snaps. And then my other one is Kelvin Joseph getting some work at safety. I think that's an important thing to keep an eye on. You know, I was on the roundtable this past week kind of talking about how the, the secondary is you know, being overshadowed by the pass rush when it comes to, oh, the Cowboys pass rush, Parsons is going to be NFL Defensive Player of the Year candidate because of how many sacks he can add up and he has so much help around him. And, oh, it's the pass rush. I mean, it truly is both for this defense. It's going to be a mix of 
pass rush and coverage that we haven't seen in a long time from a Dallas defense. I really do think, you know, quarterbacks are going to struggle mightily throwing against their secondary. It's a log jam at corner right now, though. So as far as not giving up yet on Kelvin Joseph, where can you find snaps for him? It might just be at safety, and it's a good idea to have that range and athleticism as well on the field if he can make that work. So still a long way to go for both those players, Damone Clark and Kelvin Joseph, to really be, you know, the starter-type players that we saw him lining up at in jerseys and shorts and gym shorts indoors for OTAs, but off to a good start for those players to be contributors that maybe weren't being considered as contributors, you know, just a couple of weeks ago in the solid part of the offseason. Yeah, and with Kelvin Joseph, you know, he's a second-round pick, so there's uh, some value that you want to try to get out of him because, as we've discussed, uh, you're really trying to get him to earn a second contract, whether it's inside the building, whether he goes outside the building, but just to try to get your return on investment. So that's why they got to try Kelvin Joseph at a variety of spots. Also, that factors into just your game day roster because it's a game of versatility and your specialists of which, you know, quarterbacks are included in that, you know, they're going to have their particular numbers on the roster. Everybody else is kind of, you're trying to evaluate what type of versatility they have so that you have an idea of what your game day roster will look like. And I, and that will behoove Joseph because, you know, he's, he's highly regarded on special teams with John Fossil, but if he can add an element of being a uh, safety in a pinch, then that's really going to help them feel confident at certain positions. Then you can add more numbers on your game day roster elsewhere to help with a particular offensive formation you might want to emphasize in a particular week. So, I mean, it really just all flows together. Um, Just, you know, the significance of getting Kelvin Joseph that work. Yeah, this might be good news for six-round pick Eric Scott. I know a lot of Cowboys fans were, you know, a little bit confused and surprised when the team traded up for him, and then you saw the wingspan, and you're like, okay, he's a Quinn guy. It's been a Quinn draft. We want another cornerback in here. But then immediately you're like, well, how do we find a roster spot for him? I mean, certainly he'll have to earn it, and he's a late-round pick, and he has to show that he deserves that roster spot. But it's like, how do you get yet another corner onto this roster? And, well, if, Kel- if the answer is – Kelvin Joseph is going to safety and Eric Scott can potentially step up and take that spot along with, you know, Deron Bland and all these other corners who are fighting for even more playing time. But yeah, that could be good news for a six round pick that, you know, the team seems to be higher on than any draft pundit or people just trying to follow the Cowboys draft and focusing as they should on the premium picks and the top 100 guys and forgetting a little bit more about those later round picks who inevitably are one of them is going to make an impact. You know, it just happens every year here where a late-round pick really shows out. So Eric Scott could be that guy if he has a path to see the field, and I think that path was you know, a little bit harder with Kelvin Joseph at cornerback, and if he moves to safety, it gets just a little bit easier for a late-round pick like him. Another storyline that I thought was kind of overlooked in OTAs was Michael Gallup, but I don't think that that's going to be overlooked for very long. Um, 
you know, because the attention is on CeeDee Lamb and Brandon Cooks. But, you know, Gallup has put that year after ACL behind him, which, you know, people talk about. You got to get that first year under you after you tear your ACL, then you're back to normal. You're not really playing with any hesitancy. So with Michael Gallup, you know, they're, they're, they're really starting to try to get him into more of that X receiver role. And it'll be interesting to see how they're able to mix that up. You know, with, like I said, you've got, um, lamb and cooks. And so I, I just think that Michael Gallup, you know, he started to, started to show a little bit, um, just, you know, just to remind folks that he's there. Don't exactly bring out the hearses. Yeah. I think watching Gallup will be a really good kind of litmus test for Mike McCarthy's offense. You're not saying that Kellen Moore's offense wasn't a fit for Michael Gallup or any of those things, but yeah, I think it'll be a good test for, you know, uh, for Gallup being a scheme fit here in McCarthy's offense and implementing that and what that's going to look like as far as him being not only off the ACL second year, like you said, but integrated more into the offense as, you know, a primary go-to, you know, you called it the X position, as the go-to receiver on a lot of these plays. You know, in Moore's offense, he was kind of just that scramble drill guy, lighting it down, uncover, throw it away back at the end zone. Oh, and there's Gallup coming down with it. That type of player still has a ton of value, and he has been valuable throughout his entire Cowboys career. But McCarthy's, you know, West Coast influence type of offense that we're still waiting to really see what the legs of it look like. But McCarthy's offense, with what we expect to see at some of the in-breaking routes and drags across the field and things like that, can really suit Gallup to actually be a primary target. We know what C.D. Lamb could do as a number one target. Probably the best thing that came away from last season for the Cowboys was learning that, in fact, Lamb can be a true top of the league wide receiver one. So you have that going forward and you have Gallup more involved and Brandon Cooks and, you know, these tight ends we're about to talk about. So, yeah, I think testing if Gallup can actually be a, you know, week in and week out part of this offense that contributes and makes consistent plays will be something that if it's happening, we'll be praising Mike McCarthy's offense. And if it doesn't happen, it's a big, you know, red flag type of concern for if it was the right move to move on from Kellen Moore to have Mike McCarthy call plays and still not be able to get Michael Gallup involved. Well, Mike McCarthy calling plays will involve a young tight end group, and that leads me to our next topic, which is just, do you think this group is going to surprise people in 2023? In a good way, though. Let me, let me just preface that. In a good way. Oh, I absolutely do. Yeah, I'm all in on the Ferguson, Hendershot, Soonmaker, whatever you want to call it. I feel like we need like a cool nickname because they got like so many unique names in this tight end room. So, you know, we'll take your submissions on Twitter and blogging the boys for any cool nickname for this tight end room or, you know, wait until the season plays out and they, and they come up with something from sounds from the sideline. But I think the thing that you're looking for as far as the transition at this tight end position is, you know, I looked at a couple of the yards per cat, um, death of target, yards after the catch, things like that. And I think that's where it's really going as far as what you're going to get post Dalton Soltz era now at tight end for the Cowboys. You know, it's not, you think a lot of the big plays Soltz made and it was a lot of, you know, Prescott from a clean pocket, giving Soltz time to work downfield and then a strike downfield for, you know, big chunk plays, but not so much after the catch. I think you're going to see these tight ends be much more of that safety valve 
first three doesn't have to be, you know, late in the down, clean pocket. It can be scramble drill, pockets breaking down. Oh, tight end in the flat every time. Five, six yards, keep the offense on schedule. And we already know the running backs from getting involved in that way. Deuce Vaughn, you know, making a big catch from Will Greer and giving us the first uh, overreaction of OTAs. So, yeah, I think with these tight ends, you're going to see that yards after the catch ability. You know, Dalton Schultz throughout his career, he averaged uh, 6.9 yards as his average depth of target, but just 3.8 yards per catch after the catch. Last year, 2022, 7.2 average depth of target. So those big strikes down the field were certainly there. And just 3.6 yards after the catch. Peyton Henderson last year, average depth of target, 6.8 yards, much more kind of manageable rate in that Dalton Schultz career average, but 4.3 yards after the catch. And then Jake Ferguson was that short safety valve option. Definitely target three and a half yards, but yards after the catch, six and a half. So I think Henderson's kind of your Dalton Soldier placement. Ferguson is your safety valve type player, and Shoemaker fits really well in between those two as another guy who can run drag routes across the field. He mentioned during rookie minicamp that's something he likes to do and was featured on his tape in Michigan that the Cowboys liked and uh, can make plays after the catch as well. So you put those three together, and yeah, I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised by this Cowboy tight end group and the production you get from. Of course, there's an element that really can't be evaluated when it comes to the tight end group, which is the hitting aspect of it. And they've dialed back the OTAs of uh, what you can do according to the collective bargaining agreement. Yeah, there's no blocking. Yeah, so basketball. I mean... Now it's almost like netball on grass, but um, still <laughs> there's that element because that's why they brought these guys in there is to help with the run blocking and just with the blocking schemes. But, uh, you know, when you hear Dak Prescott uh, just have uh, a positive outlook on Luke Schoonmaker, um, you know, it just kind of gives you a little bit of confidence that that, that is going to push Jake Ferguson and Peyton Hendershot, even Sean McKeon, because you're not going to have four tight ends make the roster unless one of them can kind of be a hybrid fullback type of situation. Um, but, but we need Hono Upke on this team, so... Yeah, so he makes the team. Yeah, so I mean, it's just there's really going to be a lot of competition there, and I think that that's going to produce just really the successor to Dalton Schultz. Maybe not 2021 Dalton Schultz, but I think a 2020 version would certainly emerge. It's going to be interesting to see. You know, it's kind of a a distant. It's it's going to take multiple players to try to replace what you had in Dalton Schultz. At least that's what the Cowboys are clearly telling us by the fact that they have, you know, both Ferguson, Henderson, and still drafted one more in Shoemaker. So now, how often do you see more than one tight end on the field, though? You know, it's great to have multiple guys that you think can equal the production of one, but if they're not all out there at the same time, then you're not getting that production. So how much will two tight end sets be a feature of Mike McCarthy's offense? I think we'll see a good amount of it, really. You know, you mentioned the hidden part of this being the blocking that we haven't seen yet. And that's going to come down to the running backs and how they feel with tight ends in the blocking scheme or not. So that's going to be kind of a preference thing that you feel out with Tony Pollard as your lead back. So that's to be determined when it comes to 
how many two tight end sets you see, but just from a passing standpoint, you know, it certainly could give Prescott a ton of check down options when you have running backs out of the backfield, two tight ends in the intermediate range, and, you know, the boost we're expecting from Michael Gallup that we just hit on everything that Brandon Cooks and CDLM can give you after the catch. We know that these offenses have come out of the gate hot for the Cowboys, and the best thing you can say about them early in the year, usually when Prescott gets off to a good start, is that the ball's coming out of his hands. He's decisive in his decision-making and really just facilitates the ball as a you know point guard-type quarterback very well. And I think you know all the pieces are in place for this offense to look exactly the same, different but the same, you know, different way of doing it, but the same concept of getting the ball out of his hands and being efficient that way could be at a an all-time high and a career high for Prescott at this point. I think the the thing with, you know, the direction of the offense is if people are wondering, well, you know, you got a new offensive coordinator, Mike McCarthy's the play caller, but they have really emphasized that nothing's going to change schematically. Nothing's really even going to change language-wise. Um, they're still using Dak Prescott's terminology. So it's really just kind of the decision-making that's going to change. And that, that I think, is really where people are uh, should pay attention to the, the offense, not so much the schemes as it is the decision-making. And that is, I think, where... Mike McCarthy has to duplicate, if not improve upon, Kellen Moore's best attribute, which were the fast starts. So do you think that Mike McCarthy's offense is going to be able to get off to those same fast starts? Um, Yeah, I, I would say I'm concerned about them being able to get off to quite the same start. Yeah, I looked at the first five weeks as my sample size for what constitutes you know, the start of the season. Of course, some of these were in 16-game seasons, so maybe you go one game further now that we're playing 17. But weeks one through five in the Kellen Morris last Mike McCarthy ever. So 2020 in, in that stretch, you averaged 32.6 points in those games, 488 yards, 381 of those being through the air with Prescott went two and three record-wise. 2021, 34 points, 439 yards total, 266 through the year, and a four-and-one start, and the same four-and-one start last year, of course. Many of these games being started by Cooper Rush, you averaged just 18.6 points. Dan Quinn's defense held it down, and you were still able to win games during this stretch. 298 yards, 182.2 through the year, including 76 passing yards and a win against the Rams in Week 5. I feel like that might be an all-time low for the Cowboys in a uh, in a win as far as passing yards. I'd have to go through and actually find that, but that one certainly stood out as a, one of those things you don't really remember. You know, you watch so many game days, and it's like, oh yeah, that did happen. But yeah, only 76 passing yards uh, for the Cowboys in that game. So yeah, you're averaging over 30 points throughout this entire stretch when it comes to early season, over 400 yards when you had Prescott. You look at the Aaron Rodgers era when Mike McCarthy was his head coach and, you know, Rogers still being considered one of the best quarterbacks in the game now for the Jets. And he only had more average passing yards in a season than those averages I gave you for the Cowboys passing, you know, getting out of the gates with Dak Prescott in seven of the 14 seasons that uh, McCarthy was there with him. So, you know, just about half when it comes to uh, McCarthy 
and Aaron Rodgers, you know, being able to match the same type of production that Kellen Moore and Dak Prescott had. So it is a bit of a stretch to say, you know, Cowboys team that hasn't been to the NFC Championship game in 20 years. It's like, well, we feel like we secretly now know what it takes. You know, now the offense that was so good and putting up all the big numbers and top rankings, well, it's not good enough in the playoffs. So that's what we need to change. It's like you haven't proven with any consistency in our lifetime that you've that you know actually what what it takes to get in this building to find that magical answer of what's going to work in the playoffs. So it's a huge gamble they're taking with Mike McCarthy. I do think in the long term, you know, it's change for the sake of change on offense can be a good thing because defenses have a chance to adjust to you too. So whether it was time to move on from Kellen Moore or not is a discussion we've already had. But I just think it was time in the sense of you have to give different arcs. You have to show defensive stuff I haven't seen when they put on Cowboys tape. And that's what you're going to be getting. And if that constitutes not having a fast start, but being able to gel and find yourself later in the year, and hopefully that helps with the playoff success that they're trying to put together, then that's what we might say. But yeah, I am concerned about the way this offense starts, paired with a pretty tough stretch of some kind of early season trap games that I've been talking about when it comes to the success they haven't had against the Cardinals, even though they're rebuilding, and you know that primetime game against the Giants on the road to start, and the Rams game, and some tough starting for an offense that might not fully have its footing early in the year. And when you face road games that they have against like Buffalo, Miami, and Philadelphia late in the year, you want to be able to look back at the early season and say you won the games you're supposed to. And that's going to take this offense really getting off to a start that we could almost guarantee was it was going to do under Kellen Moore. And now we can't make that same guarantee under Mike McCarthy just yet. The success they haven't had against... The Cardinals? What do you mean? They've won like one of their last like seven, I think, against them. Oh, even come on, really? Like even I'm a guy who will give you the no, it's bad the, the standings of the Cowboys on particular TV networks, but you really think that the the past seven well, games let me matter? See how many in a row it's been. It's been two in a row the Cardinals. Well, yeah, and I think that is you know is uh germane because it's the kyler murray era and even then one was against the mike nolan and really the second one was it was stan quinn um you know with michael parsons and all that so that's kind of comparable but i mean i don't know man still one in seven is not a good stretch against any team i don't care what it is but hey i mean Really, but I think the talk of the trap game is uh, is relevant because the early season like that is really kind of preseason. Everybody's just feeling each other out. There's not really any Jonathan Gannon Arizona Cardinals tape. As you point out, there's no Mike McCarthy play caller of the Cowboys tape. So... That's when you see a lot of September's pretenders and you don't want to take a conference L that'll matter later in the year to a September's pretender, which the Cardinals could be. Well, if you want to watch Jonathan Gannon coach a game in Arizona, just put on the Super Bowl and watch Pat Mahomes absolutely shred his Eagles defense. And then the Cardinals are watching that like, you know what? This guy needs to be the next head coach in this league. So, you know, it is a rebuild team. I know the one in seven thing doesn't, at all say that the Cowboys shouldn't win that game early in the year. They absolutely should. You know, the line will, will reflect that and all that. So, yeah, you want to see Jonathan Gannon 
in his new home stadium, just put on Eagles Chiefs Super Bowl and that Eagles defense is being coordinated by him and certainly uh, wasn't ready for the challenge at all of Patrick Mahomes that night. And if you want to hear more about the Eagles and the rest of the NFC East, tune in to the NFC East mixtape with RJ Ochoa and Brandon Lee Gowton right here on the Blog and the Boys Podcast Network. But I, I think that they have to... One way they can get off to a fast start is if they run the football. They have to be committed to the run. How many years have we been saying this? Yeah, <laughs> right. No, but I th- and this is actually where I think Mike McCarthy and his line of thinking could be the final piece because he looks at not like yards per carry for an offense or what. He's looking at basically yards per play. So whether you're getting that five yards through the air, through the pass, through the aggregate, I think that's really what he's looking for. And if you can get that just in the aggregate, it opens you up to more explosives, which has been the calling card for the Cowboys in the past two years. Yeah, I think the whole MO for this team is to be ahead of the chains on offense this year and have def- have opposing offenses way behind the chains. You, know, you can certainly envision a path where both of those are happening consistently, and if they are, this team is going to win a ton of games on the round table with, uh, I think it was Brandon, was very high in the team. We did a game called Cowboys Jukebox, where we all picked three songs that we could tie into something that was happening with the team or forecasting for the season. And um, he picked all queen songs and including, of course, we, we are the champions with some foreshadowing there and predicted them to win uh, 14 games. I can't say I'm quite as high on this team, but again, you can see a path to where if you're ahead of the change in offense, because of what Mike McCarthy likes to call for running plays for big chunk plays to these tight ends that we're going to see to, you know, roll out type easy completions for Prescott to hit Brandon Cooks and all that. And then having a defense that is so suffocating in the secondary that the pass rush is creating negative plays and then it's further along all day. And then the pass rush can really get going. So that's the formula for this team. It's formula for, you know, any team that's kind of just more generic coach speeds coming at you. We want to be ahead of the change and, you know, put offenses behind the change. Well, great. But this team really is built to do exactly that. It's something they need to do. And if they end up, you know, reversing that and never the offense that's behind the change. Yeah. There's some potential for explosive plays, like you said, and we know CDLM and Brandon Cooks can both contribute those, but I just don't think it's something that they can count on consistently enough to win as much as they would. If the run game is efficient and they are ahead of the change, as opposed to always needing those throw down bailout type throws that Prescott has become known for, at least in the Kill Moore era. And then defensively, the same thing goes for, you know, not letting, let's say, Jalen Hurts, for example, you know, those QB sneak type situations. Well, can you prevent that from not being in those short yardage type situations? And can you kind of shrink the field on him so he doesn't have the full length for the field to run those option type plays and things like that? So that's kind of what this team is going for, and that's the change that might be the most noticeable in Mike McCarthy's offense. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. 
It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. I think it comes with protecting the football. So not to talk about Dak Prescott and interceptions, um, but if I know that they were running wide open and kind of taking the uh, calculus of it's better to be wide open with Dak and take the interceptions. Otherwise, the offense goes nowhere. But if there was some way that with the Mike McCarthy play calling and just the way they're going to have things, if they could take that out of the equation and increase their turnover differential even more, then I think that makes the difference between being a strong wild card team and contending for a, the bye. And that was such a huge thing to see from Quinn's defense last year was, you know, the biggest thing that everybody pointed to as far as why the Cowboys might regress from 2020 in 2022 from 21 was that, you know, the turnover production was just so off the charts in that year and turnovers are forky and you're not going to be able to get the same number. And if you're not, well, is the defense actually good enough to just stand up and do what it did. You know, I mentioned already the games that they won with Cooper Russ, a quarterback that proved all you needed to see. But the fact that they allowed the league and takeaways two years in a row, I mean, that is, it doesn't again guarantee that, you know, they're going to be able to do something similar again. It's the same question of if they can repeat it now for a third year, but at least doing it two years in a row really shows that there's something in the scheme. There's something in the players they're targeting that prioritize being able to finish these turnovers and get their hands on the ball. So that's what we're you know seeing from this defense. And yeah, if they can continue that turnover production, it makes makes it a little bit easier to live with some Prescott's turnovers. And as you live with those, you get more big plays in the passing game too, which wins you a lot of games. So yeah, can't understand enough how much of a big deal it was that Quinn's defense, you know, consistently two years in a row, not only was good in the turnovers, was the best in the league at creating turnovers. And, you know, that just gives you a championship window almost by itself right there if you want to point to one number that's going to consistently keep you in every single game all the way through the playoffs. It's go take the ball away from any quarterback that you play, and that's what the Cowboys are out to do this year. Indeed. And if anyone taketh the ball away during OTAs, well, that's just proof that, well, let's say you're a defensive-minded team and you're taking the ball away during OTAs. Well, that's just proof that everything's going well. And, you know, we're back. Run it back. We're so back. But if you're an offensive-minded team throwing in interceptions and OTAs, we'll see into the world and buy your storable food and <laughs> uh, go bury that uh, bunker in your backyard. Get the water filtration. You know what I mean? Build them solar panels. So what were some of your favorite overreactions <laughs> from OTAs last week? I cannot pass on the opportunity to. I can't believe it's already here. You know, I've been teasing it for weeks as far as waiting for that first training camp video of Deuce Vaughn breaking through the line and everybody losing their minds. Well, Christmas came early. We got it early with 
We didn't get video of it, though, but Deuce Vaughn, by all reports, on a scramble drill from Will Greer, made a big play, had to come back to the ball, adjusted to it, and caught it down the sideline for a big gain. So it's not a big running play from, you know, the Cowboys' newest running back is going to still have to show a lot there to consistently see the field, but can't pass on the first opportunity to hype up a big Deuce Vaughn play, making a play with his quarterback on the move. It was Will Greer. So the greer Vaughn connection is something we could see more of, and that was a big play for Vaughn to uh, in his introduction to the Cowboys. So like I said, it's been a long time coming on this show to be able to say that. I've been teasing it, and I didn't know it was going to come in OTAs or even before training camp or anything like that, but here it was. So, yeah, my overreaction is Deuce Vaughn making him play in the passing game. Mine was not so much an overreaction, but just basically when the TV guys are talking to the linemen during OTAs and they're asking them, like, so what was it like being out there? Like, well, they're not hitting. What do you mean? What was it like yeah. to be out there? I know it's a position where we, we have like the least answers as far as who's starting, probably anywhere on the team, but you just got to be patient for those answers because we have no idea yet. Yeah, I mean, uh, that, that, it's, it's not so much an overreaction. It's just kind of like a question of, you know, why are we asking training camp questions during netball <laughs> on grass? What was your favorite like gym class thing as a high school or like, student like what was the game that not just for you but like the one that like got your collective like classmates going the most like you, know, you walk in the gym and like you see that oh we're playing this and just gets everybody hyped and brings out the competitive spirit oh dodgeball 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 oh yeah that's an easy answer always was like we had like a little version of like handball but the net was like super small it was weird but like people got hyped about handball which i think which reminded me of it when you mention you know netball for cowboys otas yeah well well, netball is basically girls basketball if you look it up um it's a version of girls basketball that uh, they play i think in commonwealth countries but is it where like the you have like multiple players that stay in like certain sides of the court like yeah yeah it's it's weird it's and they shoot it into Literally a basketball goal with no backboard. It's like basketball, but a girls play it. Basketball without a backboard. It sounds sounds interesting. I think the basketball hall of fame they have like something like that where you can like go down to the floor and you shoot on like baskets that, are, that look like from all the different errors. And the sort of first one is an actual peach basket. And I don't think the peach basket one has a back has a backboard. And then by the end you're shooting on a current modern NBA rim. Yeah, and the other uh, overreaction I'd say is just thinking that the offense is going to schematically be different. I think that that's also mm-hmm. a favorite overreaction of mine. Also that uh, they've taken steps forward or taken steps back at running back because of Tony Pollard, you know, and just they don't have Ezekiel Elliott now. That's another fun overreaction. Yeah, it's just been so long since this team has really stuck its neck out to make any changes on offense. I think you pointed out that you know Scott Linehan was the last outside OC hire, and then things schematically haven't really even changed much since him. They have in a good amount of ways, but you know there's still just influence from every coach that's been here since him as far as really not branching out too much from that tree on the offensive side of the ball. So 
you know, we've been saying it since McCarthy was announced as play caller that we're not going to likely see too many drastic changes. You're just hoping that not having that tape out there and those tendencies can give you a bit of an advantage in the early going like we covered. But yeah, the idea that this Cowboys team with, you know, their current organizational makeup and the way it's put together is going to just drastically change the offense anytime soon. Not only is it not going to happen, but you don't necessarily, don't necessarily need it to happen. I mean, Brian Schottenheimer said it best already in one of his rare interviews as the team's new OC. Like, this team is, isn't fundamentally broken on offense. You know, it's a, a tweak here or there, but they have the players, they have the Pro Bowls, they have the All-Pros, all that, and they have the numbers to show that they're, you know, putting up the yards and the points to be in all these games. So the idea that they need to drastically change the offense just to say they did it for the first time in a while doesn't really come to tuition when you have – you know, the numbers and the stats to back up that it's been a good offense. You just got to put it all together to play your best in the big games and play complimentary football off this defense. And that's exactly what we're hoping to see from an offense that hasn't even really been installed yet when it comes to McCarthy not being able to do a whole lot of what you would normally be able to do during OTAs that have turned into, you know, basketball on grass or handball or netball, whatever you, whatever it may be. It's not the ideal condition to install an offense like it might have used to be for, you know, a, head coach just a couple of years ago or a new offensive coordinator a couple of years ago who was doing the same thing McCarthy is now doing. And I think that's why when we talk about the potential out, the reset, the end of the Dak era, the end of the McCarthy era actually being behind the curtain here, uh, that would give you really the cleanest opportunity, I think, to have an entirely new offense until Dak Prescott retires, you know, I think that this is going to be the Cowboys offense is in some way a variation of the Jason Garrett offense going back to Tony Romo, you know. And even what's funny is if they're still using the same language that Dak uses, that means that's the same language Tony Romo used because, you know, 2016 – which means that's the same language since at least 2007. And I'd have to go back and listen kind of to the, you know, the pre-snap stuff. I think that may even be going back to Bill Parcells, you know, <laughs> but uh, that's a little too intense work. I don't want to do that. Yeah, that but it, it is, is definitely the same language as Romo that they speak now. If it ain't broke down fix the type of thing though, like there's no reason to you know, football players like simple calls when it comes to what you're changing in the thirty seconds you have, you know, at the line of scrimmage. Uh, who were we playing when it was a Monday game and they had the field mics turned way up and Prescott called a Bob Ross audible and I think it was Brian Greasy up in the booth was like, Well Bob Ross is a painter, this might be a draw play and sure enough it was like and the booth cracked up laughing as they should. So I forget who they were playing in that particular example, but you know, things like that. So why you don't need to just go changing calls just for the sake of it, changing languages just for the sake of it. When you have something that everybody can agree on and easily memorize, you know, it, it can stick for like you said, an almost amazing amount of time now. In NFL years, you know, one year is an eternity. So now we're talking about from 2007 till now, might as well be, you know, the Stone Age, but yet the offense is still calling things the same way. Yeah, that would have been the week three encounter with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, okay. So that's when that one was. But um, let's go ahead and get to the Cowboys' birthdays real quick. Uh, we only got three for this week. On Monday, Ebenezer Ecubon, former 
first-round pick, defensive end out of North Carolina. No, I'm not confusing him with Greg Ellis, although he was his teammate in college. <laughs> Became his teammate again from 99 to 03. Uh, Ebenezer Akimon turns 47 on Monday. On Friday, Lucky Whitehead turns 31 years old. He's with the Cowboys from 2015 to 2016. He was, you know, getting you know, kind of a knucklehead. So when he got cut in training camp 2017, because, hey, somebody got arrested, named Lucky Whitehead, uh, back in Virginia, uh, you know, you got to get out of here. Then it turned out, well, no. It was somebody using Lucky Whitehead's name. False arrest. But still, he got cut. So that's kind of a cautionary tale, folks, of just you got to be careful when it comes to your reputation and perception because that means a lot more, unfortunately, to people than facts. And then on Sunday, Terrence Steele turns 26 years old. And I think he's really starting to enter the old phase now of his career uh, with that ACL Terry's coming back from 26 years old. Uh, you know, this is really where you hope to get two really strong years out of Steele. And those are your Cowboys' birthdays. Yeah, we still don't really know where the home spot is for Terrence Steele right now. Um, one of the bigger reports out of OTAs were, and something you can, you know, firmly stand on in a time of the year where there's so few things to actually, you know, take away that are going to matter right now, but the idea that Tyron Smith is likely going to be your right tackle, at least at the moment it seems, doesn't necessarily give Terrence Steele an immediate spot to step in and play. You know, if he's going to be in the mix at left guard, he'll face some good competition there. If he's your left tackle, then that's an adjustment, but nonetheless, they want Steele in their best five, and that's going to sort itself out. And from San Antonio as well, where, you know, obviously Texas is a hotbed for high school football and developing football players all over the place, but you, know, you don't necessarily hear about a ton of players immediately for, out of San Antonio or any of the major cities for that. You know, you, you got to go just outside of them to sometimes find the best football teams. You know, like here in Austin, we have Austin Westlake, which is on way on the outskirts. It's not, you know, right in downtown Austin and they have a powerhouse. So things like that and Dallas area teams too aren't, you know, right in downtown Dallas and DFW. So Terrence Steele from San Antonio, interesting note to, uh, you know, see that players from there are, can make it all the way to the home state Cowboys as a starter. Yeah, and if they make it to Sixth uh, Street in Austin, maybe they can see Sean Martin as well. <laughs> yeah, would have been a prime chance to uh, to do so on Friday night to kick off this uh, Memorial Day weekend. So good times had by uh, by all out there. Uh, you know, live music capital of the world, uh, living up to its name with plenty of bands playing, some good tunes out there, and. Uh, you know, everything uh, with that. The idea that more bars, just even outside of Texas, and I don't even care if they're good, but the idea that more bars don't have taco trucks is the same. Like, we're just keeping, it's, it's the you know, well-kept secret here in Texas, but like, the idea that you can't just go to any bar anywhere and walk up to a taco truck while you're drinking a couple beers and get some tacos to go with it is a, is a crime. Like, when I go back home in August, I want to be able to do that, and I can't think of any hometown New Jersey bars that, they might have tacos on the menu, but I can't walk up to a taco truck and just be like, oh, I already got my drink in hand. Well, I want some tacos now, too, and it just goes perfectly. But thankfully, you could do that pretty much everywhere in Austin. So, like I said, well-kept secret that uh, everybody can enjoy. Yeah, and one of the, that's the thing about the hidden yardage is we talk about the well-kept secrets and also 
just pull back the curtain a little bit to help you not get agitated or anxious over Cowboys news. And here's one of them I want to add as a kicker related to Terrence Steele. Mike McCarthy talked about Steele in his presser on May the 25th during OTAs. And he said, quote, Terrence isn't ready for some of that. Talking about the walkthroughs that Tony Pollard was going through. He said, quote, so we'll definitely try to interject those guys the best we can here, but we still have the ramp up too for the first four days of training camp. So that will be part of their initiation back, unquote. So if you don't hear anything about Terrence Steele during this next week of OTAs, nothing about Terrence Steele, uh, mini camp, you know, don't, uh, don't be like Pavlov's dog and react to the, you know, alert on your uncle's phone. He won't turn down or whatever. It's the first four days of training camp where it's, I would say acceptable to be anxious about Terrence Steele and whether or not he's going to come back from that ACL injury. Yeah, the whole offensive line discussion really just needs to be put on ice until, you know, training camp, which I know is not the, you know, stir up Cowboys headlines and create content type of answer that some would want to see. But, yeah, it needs to be put on ice until we really see these competitions. You know, when it just comes to individual training camp battles, which I know is a discussion for later, does it get any better than what the competition is Cowboys offensive line, however it settles in, is going to face, you know, on a day-to-day basis with the defensive line for the Cowboys and Dan Quinn on the other side of the ball. So they're going to have plenty, they're going to have their hands full of Parsons and plenty to deal with and on this defensive line. Only then will we find out really what they're made of up front and the rest of OTAs is more about skill positions and scheme stuff and quarterbacks and putting the offensive line discussion on ice. All right, well, RJ Ochoa, our boss, said that I can go over one minute, but you can't. He didn't say if you can go over one minute, but I can. So I will use my permissible one minute over to get us out of the Hidden Yardage podcast that you can subscribe to on Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, and Stitcher. Follow Sean Martin. He's great with all of his insights and stats at Sean Martin NFL. So there it is. 